0: So when I was in college um, in 2011 at SMU, um, it was very funny. All my friends, my teammates, I played football uh, over there and we would get our monthly stipends and every third or fourth week of the month, we'd all run out of money.
1: This is Seeking Startups, a show that gives you an inside look into the minds of ambitious people who are changing the world. Learn about what they're building, their personal stories, and invest in the founders you believe in. Now with equity crowdfunding, anyone can invest in early stage private startups. So listen up because you might just discover the next unicorn. I'm your host, Maxim Davis. And today on Seeking Startups, we have Ryan Armstrong, the co-founder of Guac. Born out of a personal problem, Guac was started by Ryan to help people save money. At its core, he believes that with psychology and the right partners, Guac can become the all-in-one platform to make your financial health better. Ryan is no stranger to entrepreneurship as he grew up in an entrepreneurial household. However, his entrepreneurial path was not clear until after Ryan realized that a professional career in football was out of reach. Learn how Ryan started Guac, the traction he has seen to this day, and his plans for the future. I hope you enjoy this episode as we talk about some very exciting topics. Hey, I would like to quickly say that everything you hear in this podcast is for educational purposes only. This is not financial advice and I'm not endorsing this company. Please do proper due diligence before investing in any startup Okay, now with that out of the way, let's get started. So to start, Ryan, give me a quick overview of Guac.
0: So Guac is a first-of-its-kind financial wellness tool. And so what's so cool about what Guac does is we solve problems for both our users, our B2C customers, and our business partners, our B2B partners. And so it's all about really connecting a motivated saver, that motivated Guac user with the motivated business partner who's looking to convert that sale. Whether that be investing, paying down debt, making a purchase, a retail purchase, buying something like a car, anything that you do, we want to be that connector that allows you to, again, spend, save, but also earn on all your purchases.
1: And who would that customer be?
0: So our number one is the 18 to 34, really that that older Gen Z and younger millennial. Uh, We are predominantly women, uh, which we embrace and we love. We're 57% women, 43% male. That next group is that Gen Z group, that slightly younger group. And then that following group is actually the 35 and above. Um, And we are starting to see more and more of our older, of just older users um, come on board a little bit in that more that 50 range. Um, And we think a lot of that is 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 because of that our partnership with Amazon um, and just how that's starting to kind of get out there and as we market that we know that that age range will also grow Um, and that's what's really cool about guac is you can utilize it in so many different ways to provide value.
1: Take me back to when you first had the idea of guac what was that what was that like?
0: Yep out of a true need so when I was in college um, in 2011 at SMU um it was very funny my all my friends my teammates i played football uh over there and we would get our monthly stipends and every third or fourth week of the month we'd all run out of money <laughs> and it was just like science it would just happen it was cyclical it would continue and it would continue and so we wanted to try and solve a problem and it was funny because you know all my friends from all other schools and other areas all had the same challenge so we looked at tools that were around out there with roundups like acorns And there was just nothing that helped with that third or fourth week. And so that's when we began to develop our auto tip technology um, that allows for quick and consistent goal achievement. So that on that third or fourth week, you could have a little bit of that savings to be able to use rather than just focused on long-term.
1: So it sounds like there's a little bit of history there. Um, Let's go back even a little further. So I'd like to get to know more about your childhood growing up. So you grew up in Arizona. Is Is that right? Yeah. So
0: my childhood was a little crazy. Um, I moved six different times. Um, Between Southern California and Arizona, great places to live, uh, no complaints. My father, who is also our co-founder and CEO, um, he is a very successful entrepreneur. And what comes with being an entrepreneur is, you know, bouncing back and forth. Um, So, yeah, we bounced back and forth as he was opening up LASIK centers. So, like I, LASIK centers, yeah, between Orange County and and really the Scottsdale-Phoenix area. And so, when he'd open a new center,
1: that's where we'd be. I see. And what was that like? I mean, going back and forth that, you know, instability, what was it like growing up like that?
0: So it's really interesting, right? And it's it's how you, our how, how perception, right? And how you look at things. So at the time, uh, I'll be honest, like were there challenges and having to make new friends and, you know, do those type of things consistently? Absolutely. Mm. Um, but I don't think that I would be the individual that I am without that experience. And specifically just the soft skills, right? When you're forced to really you know be with different groups of people that you're not comfortable with and make new friends and have those interactions like you do learn more social skills and more um i think you know the ability to communicate with humans in general and so i do think that experience did really help me um really grow in that manner so you know yeah was there challenges at the time of course but that's you know i think it's it's made me stronger because of that
1: wow fascinating You said that you eventually played football at SMU. And so I'm guessing you were into football at a very young age, right? Yeah, yeah. So all sports, I mean,
0: ever since I was five years old, it was, you know, nonstop. I have two little brothers. um, And and so we just, you know, nonstop all weekends, you know, all during the week was practices back and forth and into different games. And yeah, and that's, you know, as I got a little bit older, um, up into the middle school age, um, where things kind of like you know, you kind of get a better understanding of, you know, like athletic traits and and really things that maybe be able to flourish and, you know, the future in high school, potentially college, whatever. Right. 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 So I definitely started showing some of that skill set and I definitely had a passion and the work ethic, um, you know, behind it. And um, yeah, basketball and football both really became the the dominant sports. And uh, in middle school, I was on a, it's called an uh, AAU type basketball team where we travel all over the country, um, play, you know, the best best kids in tournaments all over, uh, which was just, again, great for the competitiveness, uh, you know, and just that work ethic. And then, yeah, always been, um, you know, just a solid football player and just kind of grew through the ranks and Pop Warner, you know, went to high school and, into college and was lucky enough to,
1: to get a scholarship. Gotcha. And what was it about the sports? Was it the competitive nature? Was it the team building? What was it about sports that made you so uh, interested in it?
0: Yeah, I think both of that really that that human to human connection. And, and uh, like, I'm all about solving problems. And like, I like finding solutions. And when you can collaborate with someone and find solutions, I mean, I think that's the greatest thing in the world. And that's what I've really got early on was like, look at if you practice and you work hard and you work on plays and you work on getting things right, as as good as they can be. And everyone works together, you know, look at the great things we can accomplish. But on the other side of it, right, it just takes one out of the 11 to miss their assignment. And then the play breaks down. Right. And so it teaches you, I think, a lot of really solid life lessons um, about that, you know, that teamwork. And and at the end of the day, like it's everyone coming together and, and achieving their goal to get to an
1: ultimate goal. And so... You said that your father is an entrepreneur and your mom also worked in retail. How do you think that impacted you growing up? I know we talked about being displaced from one place to the other, but how about the actual household? What was it like growing up?
0: Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I have great parents. They worked hard as well. were great role models. Um, you know, which was really cool. And and yeah, I got to see different side of the business. You know, you get to see from the entrepreneur side, right? I mean, you get to see the highs and lows. Things are so cyclical, which I think is you know for someone that wants to get like myself into that side of the business, right? It's good to have a better understanding. I think, you know, from that, you know, what from the time I was 10, 11 years old, right? I started understanding what my father was doing and, you know, was, was impacted in a sense and like always took a... You know, a really good look into things, and I always wanted to be in the know, right? And so I always wanted to learn from him, um, which was great, and which you know really helped I think groom me in a sense. And then from my mother's standpoint, you know, the retail knowledge is so important, and she worked for Nordstrom. She did retail sales with more private boutiques, ran her own little boutique, and so a lot of different things there, little ventures as well. Uh, but it's it's great to see that retail side of the business, and obviously we work with a ton of retail partners. I know in a sense, like what they're looking for. Um, And I do have some established relationships which I think is very valuable, Um, just like anything else, right? Knowledge is power.
1: Right, right. And so at what point did you think that, you know, this was maybe the path for you?
0: So, I mean, from a young age, I was, I was playing in the NFL. That was it. I was going to play in the NFL. Then I was going to become a broadcaster. That was the game plan. There was no way around it. No getting to it. Um, I will say that that quickly shifted when I got to SMU. Um, and then I realized that I'm not going to the NFL, uh, um, but, uh, you know, but there's, you know, a lot of great things I can do in business and there's a lot of good opportunities there. And, um, yeah, so that's where I really kind of did focus more on the entrepreneur side.
1: So talk about that experience. What was it like playing, you know, football at that, that level?
0: It was, it was great. And, and just to kind of like, you know, to be realistic here, like, yeah, I played D1 football, but you know, I was in the conference USA, like SMU were a great school and it was I loved it. Wouldn't change a thing. But I wasn't playing in the SEC. I wasn't playing in the Pac 12. I wasn't playing in the big just just to put that out there, because there is a different level to it, right? But what isn't, what doesn't change with that is the commitment. And that what was so important, right? You have to be so structured in your, you know, in your day-to-day life as a you know, 18, 19 year old college kid that it teaches you such responsibility. Um, and and just being honest, right? Like at the end of the day, I didn't want to screw up because I knew if I lost, if I did something to lose my scholarship, right, that was the end of me at SMU. I was, I was done. And so, you know, that part of it too, it makes you grow up quick. And so I think that that was really powerful to be able to balance, obviously, um, you know, school. And then, you know, it's a full-time job. I mean, you have, you got practice in the morning, you got lifting right after classes, you got meetings into the night. I mean, it's just, it's nonstop. And so it was really, I think beneficial for me to balance and having a good understanding from a young age of what true responsibility looks like.
1: So what position did you play?
0: Corner. So I was, yeah, so I was a cornerback, um, play on all special teams. I punt returned. Um, so yeah, I kind of was a was jack of all trades. Right, so right. At, look, wherever I could get on the field, I was in.
1: And so while you were there, you're studying economics and finance and mm-hmm. what first drew you to that? Um, was it your upbringing in the business sense or, or what was it specifically?
0: Uh, yes, uh, definitely the upbringing. So I just feel that especially just understanding finance at a, at a very high level in economics and from the macro to microeconomics and understanding different areas, is only going to allow as an entrepreneur to have just better like understanding and and I think better pathways mm-hmm. because I can understand and I can look at a business at a you know a similar way not I don't want to say a similar way cuz I don't want to you know say listen VCs and hedge funds they're doing that full time I'm not doing that full time but I have a very broad understanding of what they're looking for and the certain metrics they're looking for um, and so I think yeah it's been very helpful
1: and did you did you enjoy it I
0: loved it I think right now the financial markets are obviously they're so volatile and they're in such crazy influx that this is this is one of the most exciting times and I think opportunistic times uh, in the financial world right now. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, very I uh, like to try and stay on the cutting edge, you know, from the standpoint of crypto, NFTs, the metaverse, and like, and as we continue to talk, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I you know, just want to make sure that I have a good understanding, um, not just from my standpoint, but also just to continue to grow shareholder value and to make sure that we're cutting edge.
1: Right. And so Guac has its roots back while you were at SMU. And so is this something that you started and then put on the shelf or did you continue playing around with it until it got to the point now?
0: Yes, we played around with it um, for a while. We were able to actually create and develop the code um, with our team of developers, as well as the software that essentially runs our jobs, um, which allows for our auto tip technology that we do have a pending patent on. Uh, which is is so important. And it took, yeah, it took time. And so from the standpoint, we really started the company in 2017. Um, and then obviously the regulatory was huge. It took us a couple of years, right? Because we are FDIC insured. Each of our users has an FDIC insured policy up to 250K with the federal government. And so we're a financial institution. You have to go through all the regulatory um, you know, with the federal government. Uh, but you got to do it the right way. And so, you know, we sure. put that effort in on the front end um, and then launched our full version in March of 2020.
1: I got you. And so while you were working on that, you were also in corporate, like you said, can you speak a little bit more about your first corporate job? Yeah. So it was a company called Capview
0: Partners and it's a commercial real estate firm. And I was their, I was their main financial analyst. I mean, I did it all. I was putting together triple net deals. I was underwriting for them. Um, I was running the, you know, essentially the accounting. Um, and so, yeah, I was this kind of similar jack of all trades. And re- I honestly really enjoyed it. Um, it. It was just, I was working myself to the bone. And and while I was, in a sense, succeeding in that role, I felt that that role wasn't using my skill sets um, to that degree. and and actually from there is where I started moving more into sales and marketing and more of management there. Um, I took a, an early on sales role, um, just like some medical sales. I uh, was very successful and since then was able to grow into a director um, for a medical company, managed a team um, of about 30. Wow. And yeah, I did that for views. And that's what allowed me then to kind of move it in more into consulting. Um, and I just run my LLC now um, that, okay. I, yeah. And so I'll do different. And so that's kind of how things with walk kind of aligned as well as moving more into this, being that primary and singular focus. Um, prior to this though, I was doing different things where in the financial realm, in the sales realm, in marketing management, um, and different ways and different, you know, if there's a cool project and something that I think is, can, you know, really help people and solve problems, I'm interested. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, yeah. And that's where I've kind of, kind of grown the business.
1: And as you were going through all those different roles, what are some of the, uh, I guess, more important lessons that you've learned that you apply to Guac today?
0: Communication is everything. Um, I think especially with teams and especially as we move more into this virtual right, Zoom world. And I mean, let's be real here. We're moving into the meta world, right? We're going to move. And I think more and more you're going to have that type of communication is so critical, and I think like the loss of human to human interaction, I think is a real thing. I'm really big into psychology, um, into like just understanding just what happens like with a dopamine drip and why we have certain reactions. Mm-hmm. And and so I do think that there is a loss of that human to human connection and we're losing positive attributes from that. And so I think to kind of make up for that, like we have to be more communicative. We have to... Like speak of things and, and not think that because people can't read our body language anymore, people can't take those cues, and so I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is always over communicate um, and get your team to over communicate because then no one's in the dark.
1: Right. Right. When we come back, you'll get to hear how Ryan has stayed motivated four years into the process. But before that, here's how you can personally invest in Guac. Guac is currently raising up to three point nine three. Million dollars at an $18.5 million valuation on Republic. Funding is currently open but is scheduled to close on April 26, 2022. But if they hit their maximum funding limit before then, the round will automatically close. If you're interested in getting more information, check the show notes where you can find a link to their funding page. And so you said it took a while to get through the regulatory process and get Guac going. I mean, after a few years, how did you stay motivated? How did you say, you know, this is what I still want to do after four years of getting this up and going?
0: Yeah, because we knew we had a good idea of what we had and we had people backing it um, already. Um, so our strategic advisors are from the Acorns and Honey teams. We're both early members on both. Um, both mm. are multi-billion dollar companies. Honey sold last November for $4 billion, and Acorns is about to IPO for two point one. Um, and so we are a beautiful blend of both. And that's what these individuals, you know, saw and early on as they're like, look, this is the short-term version of acorns right? Like your auto tip technology gives users the ability to quickly consistently achieve goals and it's rewarding through the step of the way like that. So it, when I talk about the psychology too, that's what I kind of mean. And I think that's why we were so motivated to do this in this manner was because we know that the psychology behind it and what it leads to. And, that, and it was obviously the support from the acorns and honey team was huge. But so what I mean by that is the way roundups work right? You're essentially just saving the change. And it's like, you don't really feel it, but you don't really add up to anything. So it doesn't really change behaviors because it's not for anything that you are as tangible or that is going to provide you value. There's not something that you can post about. There's not something sure. that you can write. Whereas with walk, you are hitting those goals, but every step of the way you're getting positive reinforcement. So think about the concept of an auto tip, Right. Maxim, think about when we go out, you go to coffee, you go to lunch, anywhere you go, what are you doing? You're getting the little tablet flipped to you and you're sure. tipped, right. And yep. so that yep. that happens so often now in in our society. And what you're doing is you are basing your tip right on a positive or a negative reaction. Typically, typically they're positive reactions and you're you're tipping someone. And so now you you're already internally having a positive interaction, making that happen. And that same time you just tip someone. Then Guac is tipping you. And so you're tipping yourself. And so now you've had that positive interaction, not just with the business, but with yourself. And now you see as you achieve your goals, you're getting that positive reinforcement, stacking a small win, stacking a small win, stacking a small win. Now I achieve my goal. I get more dopamine, that ultimate goal. And now I use that savings to provide myself more value through any of our partners and I get more cash back another dopamine drip. And so that's why it was, we were so passionate in what we're doing is because we think we're changing the psychology of savings and helping them all the way through through that path. And that's where behaviors change. And so mm-hmm. 70% of the US lives paycheck to paycheck right now. And we think we can change that because it's all about just, if they could just put a couple dollars in their pocket when they spend, right? And that's all we're doing is we're automating that process. Right. And so we really believe in changing the psychology of savings and think this is the way to do it.
1: Hmm. And so is that your secret sauce uh, using psychology to to make people safe?
0: Exactly. That's the secret. And I'd say, and the secret sauce is, is embracing the, our behaviors. So our millennial and Gen Z behaviors, everyone is trying to put people in a box, right? They're trying to say, you use this roundup tool, use an algorithm and just base everything on your checking and savings. And we're just going to take a portion of it. They look at that as like, I just got taxed in a sense. Hmm. Whereas what we want to do is we wanna embrace their behavior. So in another way to look at this is we work with credit cards as well as debit cards because okay. millennials and Gen Z, they and so we want to embrace that behavior. Well, other tools out there, they're fearful of of, of using a credit card because. If you're using, and a roundup tool doesn't really work with a credit card anyways, but if you did it and you were actually pulling it from that credit card and then you didn't pay off that credit card at the end of the month, right? You could have more debt and have more interest, which is the opposite of what we want. But so what we did with our technology that we again have a patent on is that we are able to calculate from any credit card, right? So the whole reason why we get credit cards is for the points and the perks. So we embrace that and we give you the ability to double that And so what we do is we call it the guac double dip. We allow you to put our auto tip technology and calculate from any credit card. So you go out, you have your American Express, right? You're going to lunch, you want your points, you're swiping, you're able to use our auto tip technology to then let's say you're saving 10%, you get saved 10% on that purchase, but it comes from your funding source, from your checking account that's connected so, Maxim, how do you pay your credit card off at the end of the month? So, from your checking account? Yep, yep. There we go. So, we're doing that on a micro daily basis so that you can still use your credit card like you want to to get your points and your perks. You're able, now you're adding our auto tip technology to let you save while you spend. Once you achieve that goal, you can then use those savings with any of our partners and get more cash back. So, look at this from the Amazon perspective. You're using your Amazon credit card. This is the guac double dip. This works with any of our partners, Amazon, Alaska, Southwest, IHG, Marriott, anyone who has those credit cards. You're swiping your Amazon card. You're getting your points, right? Your auto tip, you're saving for your Amazon goal. You got hundred dollars in your goal now. You're ready to use that to in Amazon. One click, boom, over to Amazon. You use your hundred dollars. You just got four percent cash back on all your Amazon purchases. So now hmm. you've doubled your cash back on the purchases you were going to make already. The number one reason why credit cards are selected: we're doubling that opportunity for you.
1: We just embrace what they already want, what they already need. That's fascinating. So I mean, it sounds very exciting. Um, but I know also in, in entrepreneurship and starting a business, you know, you have lots of ups and lots of downs, and so. What has been the hardest challenge building Guac and, you know, what have you done to, to solve it?
0: Early on, um, early on, it was 100% just right getting that initial investment, right? We bootstrapped this whole thing um, for ourselves up until last November. Where we brought in, we oversold our initial crowdfunding run, brought in over a million dollars, and so we brought in a million seventy. We oversold it and then brought in three forty five from a a Reg D from some foreign credit investors. But it was just getting that off the ground and rolling. um, You know, at the time where. It was very much, uh, It would, you know, we had an app, we had a company, but it was still somewhat of an idea. You know, we had around 15,000 mm-hmm. users, just $600,000 in savings. Um, and then what was great is we were able to obviously raise that money. Um, we used that then to grow the business. And we're up to now to over 60,000 users and over $10 million in savings. Uh, we did that. And we did that in less than a year while keeping our customer acquisition cost flat um, at $25. So I'd say initially, you know, just getting that initial funding in because no one wanted to be first right but no one wants to be last and so just i think getting over that hump that was big and now the biggest challenge is is honestly is just getting our tool in as many people's hands that can use it as possible and, you know, we've done an excellent job with our marketing team, um, we have a collective following with our social influencers of over 250 million. And so we can get the eyes and the wow. eyeballs. And that's part of the reason why our customer acquisition cost is so low. Um, but it's it's really, you know, making sure that we can get this because we know when people get in their hands, they love it, they use it. But it's just how do we instead of 60,000, how do we get to 160,000? How do we get to a million? And 60,000, right? And we want to get there as quickly as possible because the more time that people have this in the hands, the better their financial health will be.
1: You know, there's also the other side of it. So you have the hard challenge, but there's also some probably interesting stories you've had, right? Can you share any of those interesting stories you had growing the company?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So most of guac is all from my brain. And so it's kind of interesting. Right. And so I have these concepts and the ideas. Right. And then I work. So I work side by side. I am not a developer. I'm not a I do not write code, but I understand it pretty well. Um, and so I work with all our full stack developers and work side by side with them. Obviously, I'm not writing code, but I'm understanding how this is going to be implemented into our software to run the jobs. And so developing this credit card savings tool, right, that calculates from it, Um, and then, you know, and and then essentially being able to fund from that funding source and then getting the patent on top of that. Um, yeah, the team was very much like Ryan, I don't know how you're going to do this. This is going to be a lot. (laughs) And to the point where I had to like literally draw it out, like draw out exactly how this was going to function and then use that working with the team, um, to get it implemented. And, you know, which is just such a huge win for us and such a key differentiator, um, the full on team was like, This isn't, you're not going to be able to do this. Like, this isn't going to be possible. There's a reason why no one else does this. And I was just persistent um, as I could be. And we figured it out. Um, and so I think that's something else that's, you know, again, with the communication and the persistence of it too. Just because someone thinks something's going to be great doesn't mean it's going to be. And just because everyone doesn't think something's possible doesn't mean it's not possible. Right. And I think you need that back and forth, that collaboration, um, that friction, right, to get sure. to something great.
1: Awesome. Fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about that distribution model. So it sounds like it's very key to growing your company and specifically your social uh, media model. It's 250 million. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And how did you guys do that? So
0: we've built it over, uh, built it over like five years now. Um, So our head of marketing um, is a social influencer himself. So early on when, you know, we were developing this back in 2017, 2018, his name's Thomas Marquardt, uh, one of my good buddies. He had a, clo- still does, has a clothing company um, online hmm. called Dad Brand. Very successful. And he used a lot of social influencers, meme type humor, social influencers, hmm. right? Just making funny memes and stuff about the clothing. And it did very well. So I approached him. Brian right, said, what about if we transition this and use this more with the financial side, right? And use this with walk. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because think about all the memes we can make about how people just can't save money. It's so easy. And so what we've done is, you know, over those years, we've grown uh, these, these influencers. Um, and now we're up to over 100 um, of them. And yeah, I mean, we have people on there who you know, have 20, 25 million uh, followings. And the great thing about it is, is we can post with them for about one tenth the cost they charge traditional firms because of hmm. our relationship. Yeah. And because it's mutually beneficial, it's all about providing value for each. And so what we do here is that for our influencers, the metrics they get with Quack are incredible right and their whole hmm. brand and their whole business is to get with these big boxes right they will pay them because they'll pay stupid money and so what they do is they see what they see the analytics they get with guac i got people like target best buy walmart reaching out right asking about my influencers and what what i can give them with analytics but when i give them the analytics they get the deal and so so it's just again it's people helping people it's so scalable and endless and that's the thing that's that we really proved in this past year is that we can scale with this and and so we're going to do this again we're going to triple our marketing budget this time i mean we're going to continue to grow these influencers and we're also working more and more now with um, more like personal influencers and individuals like in uh, like in college like for the way they can use name image and likeness the nli agreement that was done So we're also exploring that and working with some gymnasts, working with some college football players, college basketball players, because we also want to do more of an influence from the standpoint of showing and using the application, right? Giving weekly updates of showing your savings, showing Mm -hmm. your cash back that you're getting, right? Showing how you're achieving your goals.
1: Let's move on to your team. So you talked a little bit about Thomas already, but let's talk about your father. So Scott Armstrong right, is the co-founder. And um, can you talk about his role at the company and um, his previous uh, experience that he brings to it?
0: So he's been a very successful CEO for other companies, um, which has been great uh, and a, a huge help. He kind of runs that whole show. Where I'm more of the operations. He's working with you know a lot of our our bigger um, investors. You know, working with some of our bigger groups. You know, making sure that all of our advisors, um, you know, are doing their duties and their due diligence, making sure obviously that everyone's on track. Um, you know, from the marketing side, from the development side. Um, and so yeah, he's you know he has that expertise, um, which is excellent and. He's successfully, uh, you know, taken private companies public. He has built, scaled and exited private companies. Um, And so it does lead to what we believe is an opportunity here, um, you know, for different exits and different possibilities where we can really be, uh, you know, really careful and really picky about what we want to do and, uh, you know, the right opportunity.
1: And was it like uh, working with family? Some people can say it's difficult. Some people say it's great. What's your experience been?
0: It's great. Um, Of course, it's challenging, but it's great. So it's, I'd say, you know, the macro, it's great. The micro day to day, there's challenges, (laughs) of course, right? Right. There always is. Um, Again, it kind of leads to like that friction that I think is beneficial. And I also think it's cool because he is very much established and understands business, um, you know, but, but let's call spade a spade. He turns 60 here in two days. And so, you know, there are things that are changing and evolving and that's where I think I come, I really come in and, you know, me doing my constant due diligence, constantly, you know, connecting with individuals in the market. We are very much a nice balance of both of that strong structure of business and how it's been done in the past and how it'll continue to be done. And I'm more on the innovative side, right? Understanding these new ways, understanding how crypto is being used, right? NFTs, the metaverse, and how this can be incorporated. Um, So I think it makes us very well-rounded in that respect.
1: I see. And what is the decision structure like? So he is the CEO, uh, but you're both co-founders. So... Um, How do you come to agreement uh, on maybe making a strategic move?
0: any big decisions, we are going to make sure that we kind of, you know, essentially debate it out, but it's not just him and I, this is where our strategic advisors come in because it it would not be smart of us, you know, to all four of these individuals have been a part of billion dollar exits. I never like to say the B word because right. And everyone wants to say, I got a billion dollar company and like, but individuals that have done it, we want, we want to understand that track record and make sure that those decisions and the decision tree has them incorporated. So any big decisions, the advisors are there just as much. Of course, my father and I are going to make the ultimate decision. Um, I would say the ultimate decision is 50-50 though. Tim him and I, we would never do anything okay. we both didn't agree on, um, but that hasn't happened. Um, and to this point, you know, there's, yeah, there's been friction, but I think with all six of our voices, um, we get to some, some good conclusions.
1: Interesting. And so, can you talk a little bit more about your other team members, uh, specifically Rich and Thomas? I know you already mentioned Thomas, and um, how you know how did you first meet them, and, and what and what do they do to contribute to to Guac?
0: Yeah. So Rich is big. Um, Rich is one of the original Acorns members and wrote their first equity research. You know, look, we're, we're a financial app, right? We're a financial wellness app. You have to have that strong financial backing by your strategic finance. And that's what we have with Rich. Um, he understands, obviously, these models. He understands the market um, and he's very innovative, which we love. And so, I mean, anything financial, it's all rich. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I got, I got my degree, but I'm, I'm no financial expert. I don't, I don't try to be. Um, and so, yeah, he's doing everything on that side. We were introduced too rich um, from just a mutual relationship, and which is just man, we're so lucky to have how this flourished. So that was where Rich then introduced us to to Mike Paley, Scott Paley, and Sammy Khan, who were also original marketing members of Acorns, and then just went to Honey and became their market, and led their marketing team. And so we got in, so we all kind of sat down and you know over multiple conversations, explaining our idea, explaining what we were doing, right? That's where we essentially, they came in. They all made a strategic investment um, into Guac, became our strategic advisors. And Mm. it was all because they said, this is the short-term version of Acorns that matches with the cashback rewards of Honey. They're like, "You're, you're the beautiful blend of both. And so they just think that, you know, they're the perfect individuals to lead us, which couldn't agree more.
1: Right, right. So as you grow and and you get more capital and you, you do more marketing, you're going to need to hire some more people. Um, what is your hiring philosophy? What do you look for in someone that you want to bring on board?
0: Number one, I want them to, to be, to be passionate. I want them, you know, to whether, you know, whether it be not necessarily our business, but be passionate about, you know, what they do, what they put their time in our time is so valuable. Um, that's number one. I want them to be passionate. Number two, I just want them to be, you know, honest, um, and, and free thinking and free sharing, right? Make making sure that your, your your voice has a value and your thoughts have a value. And so share those. Be open and you know, don't, don't think because of some title or something, right? This is a startup, this is a small company. We all have innovative, good ideas. Throw them at the wall. Whatever sticks, sticks, but make sure that you can throw it at the wall. Um, I would say it's a big, a big thing. And then just being responsible and being, you know, time oriented. It, what, just keep your word. If you're going to do something, do it and do it when you say you're going to do it. I, the last thing I want to do is have to babysit people. That's not what mm-hmm. this is. Um, and so if I feel like I, if I have to take more of my time that I don't have and you know, allot it to, to something that should be functioning at a high level, it's not going to work. Um, so yeah, those are the, the, the biggest things. Be passionate, right? Be responsible, do what you're going to do, say what you're going to do, and don't be afraid to be honest.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Talk to many different founders and passion seems to be the number one thing. So that's awesome. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show. But before we hear Ryan's vision for Guac, I thought you might be interested in hearing a few more stats about the company. In the most recent fiscal year in Guac was operating pre-revenue and had a net loss of $520,201. The company is currently headquartered in Dana Point, California, Guac was named the top personal finance app of 2021 by Daily Finance, and Guac was named the number one rated money management tool by SuperMoney. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. Let's move on to the vision uh, for Guac. And so you already mentioned some different features that, that are coming out, but let's look out maybe five, 10 years into the future. Where do you see the personal finance industry going and where do you see Guac fitting in there?
0: It's going to continue to evolve to everything mobile and you know i mean it's probably going to get to the point where you're going to have information just right on your arm or on your wrist or it's going to continue to be innovated and innovated and innovated um where Guac fits in is 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 being a solution is is being that financial wellness tool right that both that can be utilized by our customers by our users and our business partners and I just think that's going to continue to flourish. And as we continue to, to solve these problems for each side, then, then it makes it more valuable for the other side. And so a perfect example of that, we just signed a partnership with DoorDash. So DoorDash says they're like, you, your savers, your Guac users, right? Are the perfect individuals because they're motivated. They want to generate revenue. They're perfect for our drivers. So they're looking mm-hmm. to get drivers. So they pay us up to $200 per Guac user that starts driving with DoorDash. And so how does that benefit our users? Now we're giving them the ability to generate revenue with side hustles and to give them a little push in the right direction. We split that cash back with them. We give them $100 cash back, right, to start driving with DoorDash. And so it's another opportunity, right, to provide value for our users. We signed a partnership with Juno Financial. A lot of our users have student debt, right? And so we're going to incentivize them to also get benefit, get value, and refi their student debt. And so we're always Mm -hmm. looking for cool ways, right, to continue to solve problems for people, and it's just going to continue to grow the business. And that's our focus, right? It's just solving problems and being a tool that can be utilized. that embraces the needs. Um, and at the end of the day, we think that that's going to help with this overall savings problem. We think it's going to change the psychology and that people are going to start seeing and start using these type of tools to better their financial health.
1: Hmm. And these partnerships that you have with, say, Amazon or DoorDash, I mean, these are some large scale companies, right? What do they see in you and how do you get them on board and say, let's do this together?
0: I think number one, like just fintech in general, right? It's hot. It's really hot. Um, You know, by 2023 is going to be a $5.5 trillion market. It's the whole FOMO thing, right? No one wants to be first. No one wants to be last. And so I think that's part of it is the fact that, you know, and we have a very cool offering, um, you know, that really just doesn't exist out there, but really for each of them, I can explain why each one did what. So Amazon, it's consistency. So that's how we, and, and this came from persistence. So I mean, this is over six months of meetings and, and, but that's essentially what I express and what they gravitated towards is the fact that our savings to our auto tip technology, right? Can consistently save users that Amazon spending cash. And so our, what we've shown is that those users that have Guac and have an Amazon fund, right? They are, they're much more likely to use that And to use their, and so they're gonna have that consistency of spending with Amazon, which is that retail monopoly that they're looking for. And so for Amazon to pay us a commission on that, it's a lower cost and it's a more efficient way to convert a lead. And now it's not just a lead of one, it's a lead of consistency because you're putting a mechanism back in. And right. And so when they get that cash back from Amazon, it goes back into their Guac goal. So it goes back into their Amazon goal, giving them the ability to use it again in Amazon. So it creates this beautiful ecosystem. And the way that we're growing, they say they're like, if we get in now early, right, we can grow with you.
1: So it's, it's, it's individualized, right? You say for each different company, they can see a benefit. And then that's why they think you would be a great partner. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'll give
0: you another perfect example. So Carvana. So we have a partnership with Carvana where we, if you use Guac and you sold three cars in just the past couple of months and you get 2.5% cash back on your down payment because Carvana huh. pays us commissions on that. Right. And so we want to, again, incentivize the user. So that doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Right. You can't go out, you can't get cash back on a down payment for a car. And so uh, as you can imagine, the marketing that we're going to be doing on this is going to be incredible. Well, what they had, the reason they partnered with Guac, they go, here's our biggest problem. Our users, the down payment solution. They're like, we have so much problems with our users saving for the down payment, getting a thousand to $2,000 right in anywhere from 60, 90 days. Well, what we've consistently been able to show is that we can save users a thousand dollars in 90 days. And so it works perfectly with their methodology. So that's where that's where Carvana says they're like, this is guac is our down payment solution. Right. Our, our individuals are looking for a car. If they can't save in three months, we'll have the down payment saved for them. And so since then, uh, one of their marketing directors um, has actually uh, invested um, is one of our investors. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so we're going to yeah, continue to flourish and, and grow that relationship. Um, yeah. And so then with, and then like with public.com. So we just signed a partnership with public.coms for our stock slices, ETFs, and crypto investments. As you can imagine, right, our tool is perfect for investments, especially with crypto, right? And a lot of our, all our users want to go to the moon, but we can help them responsibly go to the moon, right? Because so these other apps that are out there that are purely investments, they're taking all of your savings. And because it's a roundup, right, it's not much, but they just throw it into a mutual fund for you. Mm -hmm. What happened to being diversified? Right. And so with our savings tool, what we want, we want to help you responsibly go to the moon so you can invest in crypto. Right. But you can do it as it's just one of your goals. Right. It's not all of your savings. It's just one of them. So you still have your rainy day fund. Right. You still have maybe a new car, a new bag, new something. Right. That drives social behaviors that you enjoy. But it's not all of it. And so we want people to responsibly go to the moon. And so what has come from that as well is now we're going to be offering crowdfunding opportunities, right? So the ability to invest in private deals. And so that is another way to go to the moon, right? And so, and again, you can kind of see what's happening, right? It's just connecting our users, right? With what they want to use that money with that we can consistently create for them and then providing them with what gives them value and then just solving the problems for the businesses. That's all we're doing. And so the, I think it's really endless on what we can do and scale that.
1: Right as you grow and and more companies realize, wow, this is a real opportunity. How are you building up a moat? So
0: obviously our patent, um, you know, is big on what we have with our technology. Um, And I always like to say too, there's, look, there's plenty of room to play, um, you know, in this space, there are multiple billion dollar companies. um, And, you know, everyone does things a little bit different. I think at the end of the day, you know, it's a finding tools and finding solutions Um, that work for different people and different solutions are going to work for different individuals. And so that's what we believe that, you know, our solution that we have, um, you know, just provides a key differentiation and will continue to help people achieve goals quickly, which is really what this experience Mm. economy, you know, the younger generation's economy is built upon um, is that need for instant gratification. And so, you know, will there be people to try and maybe do what we do? Yeah, they may try, but good luck. You know, we got a couple year head start on you. We got a we got a, a very tight patent, um, and we have all our branding and partnerships already in place. Our influencers, um, yeah. You know, there's plenty of room.
1: Okay. And so, if you were to look on your uh, crowdfunding page and, and look at the specifically the financials. Last fiscal year, Guac was operating pre-revenue. Was that due to the regulatory burden that you guys were working on?
0: I mean, a little bit, yeah. It was more just, wasn't really the focus. We wanted to just really this past year, focus on growth. Um, and then we're launching our revenue arms right now, actually, so okay. this next year of 22 will really be a focus on
1: revenue um, and turning on all those arms. I see. And so you said that you have over at 60,000 members. Mm-hmm. Is that right? True. Something like that. And what is your growth rate specifically like monthly? Yeah.
0: So it, we're growing anywhere between like four to 5,000 um, a month. And that will significantly increase um, once we then triple this marketing budget again.
1: And so let's talk about that revenue model you have. So what is your business model? Because there's lots of parts moving uh, in, in Guac. What are the different ways you're going to capture some of that value?
0: So we have, we have like five different revenue arms um, that are, we're turning on right now. Um, but you're going to see that they all align and they all are about adding value right to our users. So first, we have our marketplace revenue that we've talked about, right? The commissions that all our partners pay us. We have enterprise partnership revenue. And so those are like DoorDash, Carvana, um, Juno Financial. And they're paying us much higher, much more significant example of that. So the average uh, student debt refi uh, commission that we get is around $1,250 per refi. So it's a very Mm -hmm. substantial number. Um, So that's a portion of it. Then we have our subscription and same-day transfer fees. So we just launched our subscription model at the end of October. And that and that is gives you the ability to calculate from any credit card um, for just a 199 fee, as well as get the ability to use direct deposit. Um, and soon we are about to release same day transfers, which is, is very important um, that we'll have there for them as well. So essentially, if any of the users, right, we wanted to remove the fear of savings. Um, So if you you don't want to use your savings with any of our partners, you can always transfer it immediately back to your bank account. Um, And so very similar to the PayPal model, uh, we'll have a small fee um, if you are on a basic membership, if you're just a free user. And so there'll be a small fee with that. And if you want to not use that fee and you want to get two to three free every week transfers, then you can just upgrade to the pro model. So that naturally, when we release this, we'll start marketing the pro model. Um, And so we're naturally have more of our users move over to that pro model because they're going to get the benefit when they try and do the same day transfers. I see. So that'll be released here shortly. Uh, Then we have our credit card savings tool um, offering, which so as you can imagine, the majority of our users right now are debit card only. And Mm -hmm. we know that in life, right? You need credit. You need sure. for, right, and so what we can do as that financial wellness tool, and as we're already creating FOMO by offering a credit card savings tool, is we can responsibly offer credit cards, entry level credit cards, to our users. Well, these credit card companies that we already have relationships with, they pay up to a thousand dollars in marketing to convert a new credit card user. We can do that much more efficiently and at a much lower cost. Um, so, based on our partnerships there, we will generate two, around two hundred twenty-five dollars per credit card um, new applicant. And so it's another way to drive significant revenue. And finally, we're going to have a third level that's going to be like our platinum level. Uh, when we're going to pay, we're working on the finances right now, but somewhere between a 2 and 4% interest rate. Um, we're going to pay on the total savings, yes, that you have with Glock. Wow. And so our, this isn't DeFi. This is, yeah, this is going to be yeah, and the, our whole goal here is we want Guac to be the best place to save short term, but also the best place to serve serve long term. Again, with those percentages and the limits, right, there'll probably be something like a ten dollars to $15,000 uh, limit, right, based on just the finances. And this is where Rich and I are going uh, hand in hand right now uh, to get this done. Um, but what comes with that is our Guac Visa. So kind of how I talked about our high yield checking account. So what we want to turn this into is the ability right to get a great rate. And so naturally, you're going to have more of our users move more money into, into their Guac account, right? Which I is see. going to grow our, ba- right, grow our balances. And we earn interest on our total balance. So on that over $10 million we have saved, we earn interest on that money. And so there's a nice value there um, as well. But also what comes with that is that's going to really be their main checking account that they use where they have their dollars, right? And so now with the Guac Visa, they're going to be swiping and using nonstop. Well, we have an 80-20 revenue share with our FI um, based on those interchange fees. So we're making around 20 cents per swipe. And you can can imagine, right, with all those people, all the users, and having most of their funds in there, what that can really project to. And so we're finalizing those projections as well. Um, But it, it shows significant revenue, as you can imagine.
1: I'm really interested about the interest savings um, because everyone's looking for a yield, right? Everyone. I mean, it, you can't find it anywhere. And go. So can you speak a little about how you're going to try to engineer that and, and make that work?
0: Yeah. So how the, essentially the rules will be, um, we'll pay it uh, most likely on a monthly or quarterly basis, and okay. you will just have to have those funds, you know, in that account for a certain period of time that we're working through, we're probably around 30 days, um, to start that to start that period and then yeah, you're, we're going to pay you that interest and in the way we would pay it it's uh, and we already have approval on this through our FI. Um, it's we can't call it interest, but it's essentially a cash back bonus. So it's like going to be a cash back balance bonus. And so we can pay up to $600 a year annually on that and so that's where we're running the metrics to see what levels um, make the right sense the percentages and that uh that top allotment um to be able to pay uh that interest um and so yeah, yeah so that's really one of our goals is to to really change that dynamic um because we know it just it doesn't exist out there and there's so much value we can get from what our users because you can imagine right what what our users are worth on the platform because of all the opportunities to generate revenue from them right it only makes sense to get more of them on there and, to, and that's in, from the marketing standpoint, right? So now you're talking about you know, cash back on Amazon, cashback on Carvana, right? The credit card savings tool, right? Mm-hmm. All these different things that just don't really exist. Um, and you tie them all together and then you, you, you get the bow on top with the, you know, the best interest rate around with a back balance bonus. We think that ties it all together.
1: So you're basically building like an all-in-one platform, right? Exactly.
0: All-in-one platform to just to make your financial health better.
1: So some things that I picked up, so you said that when you first had the idea, you were pushing for the team to, to get this to work and they're like, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, but you kept trying, kept trying. And then later down the road, um, whenever you were trying to get a partnership with Amazon, you also kept trying and trying and trying. And so you're fairly resilient. Um, you, you, you keep trying, keep trying until, you, until something works. Um, why do you think you're so resilient in the first place?
0: I uh, just do life experience. I've just learned that, you know, persistence, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know, at the end of the day that um, I think if you have a belief and a passion about something and it's on you, go get it done. And that's how I feel. And um, I have such a strong belief in our value proposition that as much as I'm probably annoying and pestering people at the end of the day, they thank me for it. And so it's, you know, I think it's through those learned experiences um, that, you know, it it doesn't always pan out, but it's a numbers game.
1: Now, there's many ways that you can raise money to, to grow your company, angel investors, VCs, you name it, right? Um, why did you end up picking equity crowdfunding?
0: Number one is, so my father did not want to do it at all. This was a big, a big push on my end. and So my whole selling point was as much as we want to raise money and obviously, we need money. You need money to function. But why can't this be dual purpose? Why can't we not only raise money, but also get more users and get more passionate users who are invested and that are going to preach our guac word. Anyone who's invested, even if it's $150, they are going to be passionate and they're going to talk about guac. They're going to promote guac. They're going to bring it to their friends. And so the opportunity for virality is so important and so critical, Hmm. right? We talked about what's the number one challenge getting into people's hands. And so this is an opportunity to get it into more people's hands. And naturally what comes from that, right? Just from momentum. And I think just the way the world works is once things start rolling, guess what? The angel investors, the hedge funds, the VCs, they start coming too, which we've done. So we have, you know, we have a handful of angel investors. We have a couple funds that were in our previous round. We have three more funds that want to get into this round. Um, And so it can be mutually beneficial and you can, you can have, you know, you can have it all in a sense. And then you can be, you know, you can be more picky, and and it also gives you the opportunity. Then, with these hedge funds and VCs, when they want to try and dictate terms, I don't get to listen to your terms, right? I, I got I got a thousand other people that believe in my product, and they are going to go push it and promote it, right? That's bigger than just your dollars.
1: So it sounds like it's uh, it's almost a marketing right? a way to also market your company.
0: One hundred percent, and that's why it's so. So I don't know if we've discussed this at all. I don't think we have. Uh, we just essentially agreed to our our biggest um, promotional partnership and investment yet. Um, And this is about to take that, have that point of virality even more. So um, we are uh, moving forward with an agreement with Damon John and his Shark Tank team. Wow. Yeah. So Damon will will become our anchor investor um, and is bringing it to his angel network. uh, What's even bigger than this is this is a full promotion. So the Shark Team writers and producers are already working on our script We will be filming with Damon John in the next 45 to 60 days. And this will be a full promotion where they're blasting it all over CNBC, MSNBC, all the And so, yeah, so this is the point. That's big. Big.
1: That's exciting. Yeah.
0: So we're really excited about that. And, you know, hearing, right, again, it's just... Hearing individuals like that, like Damon, the president of Shark Tank, you know, Ted, just hearing their buy-in and their belief in what they see and what we're doing, um, it it just, you know, it adds so much validity. Um, So, yeah, we're really excited about this. And, I mean, using this to blow this thing up uh, because we do this correctly, right? You hit that point of virality, um, there should be no looking back if we do it
1: right. Right. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Um, we've covered many topics, uh, from, you know, where the company is now, where it's going, the business, uh, uh, model and everything in between. Is there anything that we missed that you really want to, you know, share or talk about?
0: Look, I'm, I'm, I'm young. I, you know, haven't had a ton of life experience, but I always like to share that, you know, my story and guac story is a story of persistence and it's a story of not giving up, (laughs) And I just think in especially in today's age, right. And there's so many different creative jobs, creative ways to do things. The, you know, we can learn a skill just from Google, from YouTube. Um, So, you know, anyone who's out there and who's kind of is thinking that, you know, maybe I don't, or doesn't have confidence in themselves or confidence in achieving something, you can do it. You can do it. If you want it bad enough, you can do it. And I would say that, you know, I think walks this story of that, of persistence and, um, you know, how the small little companies gained a lot of these partnerships is just what you said. It's from persistence and and belief. Um, so, mm. you know, don't ever, don't ever give up. And if you don't give no. up, you can't lose.
1: I love that. One one question I like to ask every founder at the end, um, and and it's this. So in entrepreneurship, do you think it's more important to be courageous or intelligent?
0: So I I I look at intelligence in a different way, I think maybe the most. To me, True intelligence is not so much your brain power or your intellect. I think it's understanding, but more situational intelligence and understanding what you're good at and what you're not good at and where your your holes are, and then filling those holes with people that are smarter than you, that can do things better than you. So I think intelligence from the situational intelligence, I think is so important and then from the, I mean, I, I, courage is also, is so important because you got to have the, you got to have the courage to look yourself in the mirror when someone tells you your company's nothing this is no, not going to work. And you got to have the courage to look yourself in the mirror and your team in the mirror and say, we're going to prove them wrong. Um, and so I think, I think they're both so important. I'd say from my, my perspective, um, I think, where we are it has been courage um so much because of just not giving up and being persistent that's where it's been now but i'd say as we continue to grow it's evolving where it will be more intelligence more situational intelligence hiring more individuals filling the gaps um bringing on people right that can do things that um, i'm not an expert at um and so i think i think courage to start but it's going to grow into that situational intelligence
1: This has been an episode of Seeking Startups. I'm your host, Maxim Davis, and thank you for listening to the whole show. Make sure to subscribe and like this episode. Before I let you go, if you're a founder who is interested in getting highlighted on the show, email me at at seekingstartups.com. Once again, thank you. And until next time, keep investing in the future.